for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hello, everyone. This is Greg Smith. I am the managing principal at Science Smith Consulting, and welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast. So glad to have you as a listener. If you know other pharmacists, people in the pharmacy industry, please tell them about PharmacyPodcast.com. This is how we're growing our listener base. It's been grassroots. We've done a little to no advertising. We've had some uh, advertising support through Pharmacy Times and Pharmacy Marketing Quarterly and several of the pharmacy associations, the American College of Apothecaries. We wanted to thank you. Um, However, most of our listeners are expanding because of our um, existing listeners forwarding the Pharmacy Podcast. So today is an important show about the drug supply chain law the Drug Quality and Security Act, the DQSA. And uh, we have a subject matter expert with us today for the show. Before that, has anyone heard about the Independent Pharmacy Leaders uh, Network? It's not sure if it's necessarily a network yet, but they have a website at independentpharmacyleaders.com. Interesting. It says, welcome to our community, and the three principles are being independent, um, obviously being in pharmacy and having a historical pharmacy background, and obviously being a leader. And it says, together we can revolutionize the future. And I just am so passionate about uh, what pharmacy is doing for our healthcare system and how so much of the innovation, including some of the technologies that have come out of pharmacy service providers, um, for example, telemedicine, and how telemedicine will become a very, very big part of community pharmacy as well as specialty pharmacy, which we're going to do a show in the future specifically on telemedicine. If you'd like to be part of that segment, please reach out to me at publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. Once again, publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. I am the host of the Pharmacy Podcast, Todd Yuri, and I'm glad you're here. And I am excited about today's show. So let's talk to Gregory Smith about the Drug Quality and Security Act on the Pharmacy Podcast Show. Very interested in a timely topic that just from searching the internet and watching the chatter on Twitter as well as LinkedIn, that there's some evidence that we should be talking about this, and that is the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, or the DSCSA. I was fortunate enough through social media uh, to run into a subject matter expert for today's pharmacy podcast. Very excited to uh, to have on the show uh, Dr. Gregory Smith. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast, Greg. How are you? Hi, Todd. It's great to be here. I'm fine, thank you. So let's just jump right in because I have a bunch of questions. Um, didn't realize that this was such a um, important topic until recent and then you and I have had some off segment conversations about this and just wanted to know um, so what's your background and, and how did you become involved in the DSCSA? Uh, I'm sure that's a good place to start. My background is as a chemist. Um, that was my academic training and I worked in the chemical industry for many years. I've spent about 30 years in different um, 
research, new product discovery, and innovation consulting roles. Um, earlier this year, some colleagues of mine who are active in the prescription drug supply chain asked me to look into compliance with this DSCSA. I have a little experience in the compliance area um, because they were confused and wanted a little help trying to figure out what to do about it. So what exactly is the DSCSA and why is it so important to pharmacists? The DSCSA is a piece of legislation that was enacted at the end of 2013. It was actually enacted um, in reaction to an outbreak of fungal meningitis due to some contaminated prescription drugs a couple years earlier than that. And it addresses a number of things, but part of it, the Title II of the overall legislation was this this Drug Supply Chain Security Act. And that is uh, intended pretty much as its name implies to try to make the drug um, supply chain more secure. And by that, they mean prevent the entry of what they call illegitimate product into the supply chain. An illegitimate product basically boils down to um, uh, counterfeit or uh, harmful or contaminated product. Um, Forgive me for going on for a minute here. It's important to retail pharmacists because it has a pretty large impact on the people who supply you with prescription drugs. And so it's going to affect how you buy from distributors. And there's some provisions that directly impact pharmacists really didn't know enough about. Um, So can you explain um, in in a way that is relevant and useful to the audience, like take take this and explain the topic in segments so that we can kind of follow and break this down so that I can also come up with some additional questions? Okay, sure. That's that's a great question, Todd. The um, There's a couple of things that pharmacists really need to know about the DSCSA. First of all, parts of it are already in effect and more um, went into effect on July 1st, and some are going to become enforced for the first time on November 1st. But uh, at the risk of going on for just a moment, when you look at the, D- the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, it has four main impacts on um, on pharmacists. It turns out that there's a provision in there that limits your purchases to only those may those sold to you by authorized distributors, which basically boils down to licensing. And this basically means that this any practices of you know buying off the back of a truck are now formally banned by the FDA. Um, it now also requires this formal DSCSA uh, pedigree to be supplied with every purchase. There's been a lot of talk about pedigrees over the past couple of years, but now there's a federally mandated standard format that you have to have. Um, and interestingly, it now requires pharmacists to uh, the specific languages to capture and maintain those pedigrees quote as necessary to investigate the suspect product for six years. Wow. Um, now, that could be a pretty onerous requirement if it's not handled correctly. And I'll, I'll keep this short here. Third, pharmacists need to be able to somehow pull up those pedigrees if they're asked within two business days. And lastly, uh, pharmacies now have to, have to have something called verification systems in place. So there's actually quite a bit of new requirements that are essentially almost now in effect. So I'm a pharmacy owner, a pharmacy manager someone that's uh, specific to inventory, a pharmacist in general. I mean, there's so many different types of pharmacists and the role that they play really in boiling, when you boil it down, caring for patients and the safety of patients. Right. But how is this really going to affect 
pharmacists. Can you explain kind of what this really means to them? Well, it's going to, you know, you, you kind of raise the topic of who is it going to affect. It's going to affect anyone who's responsible for the operation of a pharmacy because whether you're an independent pharmacy, part of a chain, a hospital pharmacy, any of those things, whenever you purchase prescription drugs, you're going to have to make sure you add the DSCSA requirements to your to your practices and your policies. And, um, you know, the main thing you're going to need to do is figure out a good way to address these four requirements. Yeah, you know what? Uh, the first thing I think of is, boy, this is like creating a – sounds like it's going to create a lot of work. However, I know there's technology out there. Do, do you know of any technology system that's going to help to – uh, mitigate this risk and and help pharmacy operators. Well, there's a couple of technology systems that are that are potential um, aids for that. It gets a little bit complicated. Um, most of these systems were developed to support the wholesale supply um, wholesale distributors and that part of the supply chain. But there are products. I'll name a couple. Well, there's a number of pr- proprietary products. Almost all the large vendors have technology in place to supply the pedigrees to their customers. Um, so, for instance, if you're buying from any one of the big three um, prescription drug uh, distributors, they all have their uh, proprietary systems to deliver it. There's also a couple of uh, third, well, there's a bunch of third-party companies out there. Let's see if I can remember them. Tracelink, US Meds, TrackTraceRx, um, and there's a couple more obscure ones that have their origins in um, enterprise software that have offerings out there. Uh, personally, I'm not sure how useful those are all going to be for pharmacists, but that's the technology that's out there right now. Okay. So the thing that I shouldn't do is ignore this, but let's pretend that I'm not really up on it and I'm a small community pharmacy. Uh, what's the repercussions if I simply ignore it? Oh, I love that question, and I get that question a lot. Um you know, and where it comes from, in my experience at least, the pharmacists that I deal with, they tend to be very, very busy. You know, this is not a mission, this is overhead to them. It's something they have to do. It doesn't help them make money, right? Um, and the question is usually phrased to me, so, well, you know, I got a lot to do. What if I don't do this? You know, what are the chances that someone's going to hold me accountable for this? And what happens if they do? Um, to be honest, I mean, Unless you, it, I don't know. The FDA hasn't said what their enforcement policy is going to be or what the fines or consequences are going to be. But the way I look at it is, is it's sort of like a tax audit or you know, going to the dentist. It's something that you ought to do. Um, and you know, a tax audit is a little bit like a lottery ticket. You know that the chances of you winning a lottery or being audited for your taxes are low at any given time. But you also know that every day somebody gets audited. Somebody wins (laughs) that lottery. Um, So the thing is here, you don't really want to be the person who wins that lottery because if you do, I mean, think about it. If you've ever had the DEA come in or your state um, board of pharmacy come in, it can be very disruptive to your business. So my advice is try to figure out the simplest possible way to comply with this so that you don't run into that trouble. You implied earlier and in our conversation uh, that this is a manageable process. What do you mean by that? Okay, that's, a, that's another question I like. Um, I've given that a lot of thought because I've been asked to help some folks uh, figure out how to manage this process. And um, the key thing that you really need to do is leverage the things that your vendors are already doing for you. And a, a big part of that is that the, your prescription drug distributors 
have to do very similar things to what you're being asked to do. For instance, they have to create those pedigrees to deliver to you. They also have to store them for six years. And I don't know if I mentioned that, but you are required to capture and maintain these for six years. Um, and it turns out that there are things in the um, in the this DSCSA format pedigree, like a transaction statement, that declare that the vendor's authorized. So the 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 solution that I see is for pharmacies to put into place intelligent buying policies that let them as much as possible rely upon their distributors. And a number of people I know are trying to do this, but I think you have to be you have to do it just right. And so what you can do is if you make the list of vendors that you're going to use that you already know will automatically provide these DSCSA format pedigrees, you're going to meet the requirement that your vendors are authorized for whenever you buy from those guys. And then if you also make a list of people who are going to hold them for you and make them available to you for the six-year period, you know you've met that requirement. You also need to do two more things. You have to be able to respond in within two business days, although there's a possibly little flexibility there, you have to respond within two business days for a request for that information. So you want to make sure that part of your buying policy lets you keep track very carefully of how you can retrieve those pedigrees when you need them. And then the last thing is you have to have this verification system in place. Um, in my experience, that can be achieved simply by creating the proper policy. I don't know if you want me to go into what's involved in a verification system, but it's basically a, a set of policies to let you respond when you have to investigate whether or not product is, is uh, illegitimate or illegitimate. When I hear that word, a verification system, just so I understand a little bit better and our listeners understand, you know, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by the verification system? The verification system? Well, the verification system is, like I said, it's simply a policy that dictates how you respond when you either discover that you have um, product that you suspect may be illegitimate or when you're, whether you're notified that it may be illegitimate. When that happens, you're required to quarantine that product so you don't sell it by accident or use it by accident. So you need to set up a quarantine area. And the FDA, the, the, the legislation doesn't require this, but the FDA has issued guidance for how to be alert for suspect product. You know, things like, you know, if you have foreign languages on the label or if the NDC code is missing, a list of obvious things like that. If, if that happens and you need to quarantine the product and, and conduct an investigation, or if one of your trading partners, event, say a dis distributor contacts you or the FDA contacts you and says, oh, well, this lot number of this product we're not so sure about. You just have to have a policy that you're going to quarantine it and conduct an investigation, and the um, verification system requires that you keep track of your investigation. Um, you have to maintain records of it, and then at the end of the investigation, you either clear the product and it's returned to inventory, or you determine that it's illegitimate, and then you have to go through a disposition procedure. So I, I keep hearing these keywords that would make me kind of cringe as an operator. <laughs> and uh, the next question is, what about this six-year what about this six year records retention requirement? Tell me about that. Well, that gets back to the, you know, the four main points. I'm going to reiterate a little bit. Authorization, um, capturing and maintaining the pedigrees, which you have to do for six years, responding within two business days, and doing the verification system. And the six-year requirement is, is probably one of them. It ties into that capture and maintain the pedigrees, and it's one of the most demanding requirements. At face value, 
it reads as if a pharmacy is going to have to capture this either electronic or paper document for every one of the hundreds oh, excuse me, or thousands of orders they may process each week and file it somehow so that at a, at a moment's notice they can pull it out and they have to be able to do that for anything in the past six years. That's what it reads like. Um, the solution that I think is going to apply there is, as I said before, a lot of your vendors also have to hold those records for six years, and they're uh, making them available usually for a variable period of time, sometimes for the full six years via a web portal, sometimes longer. Now, that's not going to solve all your problems, but if you if most of your purchasing is from those vendors, then the, the FDA has actually said it's okay to rely upon them for your access to those pedigrees. You just need to make sure you know how to get a hold of them um, and can do it within two days. I don't know if that answers your question, Todd. That, that's my best try at it. Yeah, it does, Greg, but it really brings up the follow-up question, which is what about the two-day response requirement in the verification system? That can be a challenge. Um, that's why it's very important to keep track of exactly how you recover um, those uh, those pedigrees. In some cases, you're going to need to have a list of login credentials to, you know, every different vendor's portal. Um, or if a portal, if a vendor is using TrackTraceRx, you'll have to know to get on there. Things like that. Um, and if you know what you're doing, it should be possible to retrieve those. Um, there's also an interesting detail in the in the law. I may have to look through some notes to find it. I'll, I'll paraphrase it. Um, the law says you have to respond within two business days or in such a period of time as is considered more, more or less acceptable by the FDA given the circumstances. So as long as, in my, this is just a personal opinion, so it's, you know, don't take this to the bank, but my opinion is that if you're, it's, the FDA has made it clear you can rely upon your vendors if you're if you have a policy in place, you know how to get to it, and you're working with your vendor to retrieve that information, um, if, it, if you get it in one day, wonderful. If you get it in, you know, 58 hours, you know, instead of 48 hours, well, that's probably going to be okay. But the trick is just to know how to go and get it. And, if, you know, you are going to be dependent. Unless you, unless you subscribe to one of these systems that lets you capture everyone and file it yourself, they, they exist, you're gonna be, you would have to depend upon your vendor to help you um, retrieve that data. So really, um, as, as a summary so far, I understand you're, you're basically saying, hey, don't ignore it. Make sure you do the right amount of work. Uh, pull your resources to, to avoid duplication of effort. And when in doubt, you know, uh, find an expert. Um, you know, hire, <laughs> hire it out. <laughs> yeah, really that yeah that's the thing I, I like mean, to use, when in doubt, hire it out. I learned that from one of my friends who's actually in the business. Um, if I were to boil it down, which is, I think, where, you, where you're trying to head, um, Again, there are these four requirements that I had mentioned, and I'll reiterate them. Um, make sure that all your vendors are authorized. Make sure you always get this DSCSA pedigree and that you know how to find one for the, anything you've ordered in the previous six years. So that starts with uh, July 1 of this year. Um, so for, you know, six-year period, rolling six-year period starting then. Um, be able to dig that information up within two days if you need to and have a verification system in place. Now, as I've tried to explain, this is manageable if you simply institute some intelligent policies. Um, and 
the tricky part about invent, instituting intelligent policies is it's great once you have the policy, right? You have the right policy. You're relying upon your vendors to hold stuff. You've got, you know how to get to this stuff. You've got the verification system. You're all great. But it does take a fair amount of work to create those policies. And there, um, there's really a couple of options. You know, one is you can pool resources and form local groups and create these yourselves. It's not impossible to do. You may be able to work with your state pharmacists association or other organizations. Or, and this is something that I'm trying to bring to the party, you may be able to find a service that will help you with it. And that's something that we're actually putting together a program that we're going to call the Dispenser Ready Program because we're going to identify vendors that are you know, provide the support needed so they're dispenser ready and the dispensers themselves will be ready and we're going we're we're to trademark it as R-X-R-E-D-I and we're, we, we'll use the website rxready.com spelled with that, um, you know, that trademark spelling, um, which basically has all these policies prepackaged for you and we'll actually, we're actually planning to keep track of these in a rolling basis so that everybody always stays current. And now... Bear in mind that whether you do it yourself or use Dispenser Ready or something else, um, there's always going to be some vendors that are going to, you're going to want to use that may not provide the complete support. And in those cases, you're going to have to have a solution to do that capture and maintain of the uh, pedigrees. Hopefully, I made that clear. I'm trying to keep these things yes. short. Yes, and, and so I'm, I'm an operator. I'm an owner. I'm a manager. I've just heard this, and I want to reach out to you and get more information um, how do we get a, How do we get a hold of you? Sure. There's. Uh, I'm going to give you two email addresses for me. Um, one is the one we set up specifically for this. That is rxready r x r e d i at gmail.com. Eventually, that'll migrate to the rxready.com domain. But for now, we're using that Gmail address. Or you can come directly to me at my current business, which is Science Smith. Um, that is Greg G R E G at sciencesmith.com. Okay. Now, at, at the risk of going on a moment, I'll say this. Um, within reason, I'm more than happy to simply point, you got, point anybody who reaches out to me um, at the various resources out there. Uh, for instance, uh, there's a pretty well-known organization called Tracelink that offers a package for, that would let a pharmacist or a pharmacy capture every single incoming pedigree and file it for them if that's the way they want to do. There's also Track Trace RX. Um, we have our own program, which we call RX Trail, that we're using to help um, wholesale distributors. Um, or you'd certainly be happy to talk. To, I'd be happy to talk to you about the Dispenser Ready program. My first goal is to inform, and if we can help you by uh, working with the program, so much the better. So what I'm going to do, Greg, is uh, below the show notes, I'm going to put in the rxready at gmail.com address. And then Perfect. also, you mentioned a YouTube video. I'll make sure I put the URL down there for that as Correct. well. Correct. And, you know, if you want to, and uh, you can even capture this audio, I'll, I'll give a brief pause. For those who are interested and are on LinkedIn, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, search on the word Science Smith, all one word. And I've also recently actually put a blog post up there that summarizes a lot of the things that we've talked about. And then, of course, you can also contact me through LinkedIn. And in addition, I've posted some of those links that we talked about there. Very good. Well, Greg, I thank you so much for coming on the show so quickly to talk about something that is um, probably on the minds of a lot of pharmacy operators. And if it isn't, it should be. And I um, uh, really appreciate your insights. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Todd. Thanks for the opportunity to share the information. I hope I've uh, been clear and concise. 
you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. We were tra- talking about the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, the DSCSA, with Dr. Gregory Smith, and we thank you for listening.